the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Another version says, Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Let us pray together. Lord, as we open up Your Word, we pray that You would open up our hearts and our minds to receive it. We pray that You would use this Word to make an effect in our lives, that we would leave this place in some way different than we came. That You would change our understanding and bring it in accordance with Your Word. That You would even now begin to change our lives, our behavior, our practices, and bring them in line with what Your Word teaches us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to start with a simple question this morning, and that's this. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? I see a lot of heads nodding. Yes, I believe in Jesus. It sounds like just a really simple question, right? Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, absolutely, I believe in Jesus. However, that's not quite enough to know what we're talking about. We have to ask some other questions to get at, first, who is Jesus? What did He come to do? Why did Jesus come? Because sometimes we may be talking to someone else about Jesus, and we're thinking about two different people, really. I remember a friend of mine once told me, Jim, have you ever met this guy? Uh, Brandon Powell's his name. He's just a really great guy. And I said, yeah, I know Brandon. We're, we've been friends for you know several years. We were at the same church for a while. I know Brandon. And uh, so he talked about how old he was. Yeah, he's close to my age. He has kids of his own. Brandon Powell. Yeah, I'm good friends with Brandon. And then as we got to talk a little more, he said, you know, he's got uh, dark, curly hair. And I was thinking, no, not unless he grew it out really fast, because his head looked like mine, really. That's, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the more we talked, we found out we were not talking about the same person at all. People totally different from one another. Brandon Powell's, one of them lived across the state, and the other one lived down east. We thought we were talking about the same person, but in reality we weren't. 
And often if we ask the question, do you believe in Jesus? We simply say yes and go on with, with what we're, we're talking about. But, for instance, if you ask a Jehovah's Witness, do you believe in Jesus? What will their response be? Absolutely, I believe in Jesus. However, if you go on to explain from John chapter 1, who this Jesus is that we're talking about. The Almighty God, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. And they will not agree. I do not believe in that Jesus. This is cause for discernment, really. Because there, there are many that perhaps even you watch on TV or hear on the radio who are proclaiming Jesus, but they're proclaiming a different Jesus than the one that you read about in the Bible. There are some who believe in a prosperity Jesus. Who if you come to Jesus, you will be wealthy. Everything will go well with you. You'll get a good job. Things will go well with your life. Nothing bad will happen to you. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. There are, there are many who are proclaiming different Jesuses than the one that is laid out here in John chapter 1. This calls for discernment as Christians. Like, to be like the Bereans, as it talks about in Acts chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The Bereans were more noble than all the other Jews. Because they heard what was proclaimed about the Word, about Jesus, and they went to the Scriptures to see if, in fact, all this was true. Are you discerning as you listen to TV preachers? Are you discerning as you talk with your friends or strangers that you meet as you talk to them about Jesus? Because we must ask, who is this Jesus? Who is the Jesus that the Bible proclaims? And why did He come? Why did He come? Now in John chapter uh, 20, uh, John chapter 20, John tells us the reason why he's writing this book. Flip over there if you will. John chapter 20. Actually, I got my Acts reference wrong. I believe it's Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. I mixed it up with this one. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 tells us the purpose behind John writing the book. This is why he wrote these things down. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, we read, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is the summary of why John wrote this book. And in these first 18 verses, we get a summary of the entire book, of what it's about. And mainly we could break it up into two different categories, two different topics. Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And why did He come? Who is this Jesus? And why did He come? So first, who is this Jesus? This beautiful uh, beginning is, is poetic. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we know He's talking about Jesus because as we continue to read, we hear the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That He was the Son of the Father. From all eternity, this is the Son. He is everlasting. He is almighty. He is the Creator God. Did you notice that? Verse 3, through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. He, Jesus, 
The Son of God was there in the beginning participating in the creation of the world. Jesus, the Son, is the everlasting, almighty God of the universe. He is the source of light and life. Look at verses 4 and 5. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it. Not only did He partake and participate in the creation of all the world, He is the source of life. The source of light. He is the source, the fountain from which all the the water comes. He is the Word which reveals God. Have you ever wondered why John put it that way? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why does he put it that way? Why is he saying that Jesus is the Word? Well, I think we learn something about that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It says, Long ago, in many ways and in various times, God spoke to His people through the prophets. But in these last days, He has done what? Do you remember? He has spoken to us in His Son. He is the full revelation of the character and attributes of who God is. He reveals to us who God is. Jesus is God's Word spoken to us in human flesh. This is what it means to be God. This is who I am. He is the Word which reveals God. And as we see in verse 14, He is the Almighty God in human flesh. He's the Almighty God in human flesh. Now, this John is introducing one of those momentous, world-changing, life-changing events. You know events like that in our own country. So you have the uh, independence, American independence. That changed the course of our future. That changed the course of who America would be. It changed the course of the world. We know the momentous events of abolition. Even more recently, we know the events of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. How those events in history have changed the way we think about life, the way we think about the world. But John here is proclaiming the most momentous event in all of history. Jesus. God becoming man. Walking among us. See, all, all along from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation, after Adam and Eve fell, people were waiting for God to do something. People were waiting for God to speak. And now it comes. All along, the prophets had promised there will come a day when God will change things. When God will begin to make all things right. And this is where it happens. God becoming man. God becoming a human and dwelling among us. Those words there, He dwelt among us. Do you, you remember just a few weeks ago we were in Exodus. Looking at Exodus chapters 33 and 34. And we read about the tabernacle and how God came down to be with His people. That was just a, a foretaste. That was just a, a foreshadowing of the true walking among us that came in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. The one who walks among us. Who became a man to walk among us. This is who Jesus is. This is who we mean when we talk about, when we ask, do you believe in Jesus? 
But it's not enough even just to ask, do you believe in Jesus if you know who he was? Because we must also ask, why did he come? For what purpose did he come? Now we know the simple answer to that. He came to die on the cross for our sins. We're in trouble. We needed a Savior. We needed someone to take our punishment, to take our penalty and to save us. That's why Jesus came. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But John approaches it at a few different angles. Why did Jesus come? First, Jesus came to bring light to a dark world. You saw that in verses 4 through 9. The darkness has not understood it. And then verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Jesus came to bring light to a dark world. Do you realize you live in a dark world? That ever since the sin of Adam and Eve, ever since the fall, we have lived in a dark world. Now, sometimes, being citizens of America, being in this wonderful land, we can forget that this world is full of darkness. Perhaps if we grew up in a third world country, where we saw pain and death every day, where we saw sadness and poverty every day, perhaps then we'd get a greater sense of the darkness of this world. This world is dark. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, great storm clouds have covered the earth. Darkness represents confusion. It represents blindness, not understanding. It represents gloom. And without Christ, we are right to be in gloom. We are right to be gloomy because we have sinned against a great and wonderful God and stand under His judgment. But Christ came to bring light to a dark world. This brings understanding, illumination. It brings understanding about who God is. Formerly, we could only understand who God is by His creation. That He is good, that He is all-powerful. But now in Christ, we understand so much more. Also, the Scripture speaks of light going into dark places as exposing sin and error, like we saw in 1 John. Passage in 1 John chapter 1. That we, we are in darkness... And we walk in darkness, but He is light. But when we come into the light as He is in the light, all our sins are exposed. They, we bring them out into the light so that they might be cleaned up, so they might be forgiven. Jesus came and He exposed sin and error. But not only that, Jesus comes to bring light to a dark world in that He turns our gloom into joy. He turns our gloom into joy, like the Isaiah passage that we read earlier. A great darkness had covered the land and yet Jesus came to bring light. He brings light to a dark world, but He also brings life to a dead world. Look at verses 10 through 13. He was in the world and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name... He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Our world, ever since the fall, is a dead world. Every one of us, every human, is born in sin and born spiritually dead. Spiritually dead to God, not able to to do things that please God. From the moment a child is able to choose good or bad, he chooses sin against God. We live in a dead world. The Scripture says, He came to His own. That means technically to the Jews, to His own people, to His own land, and they did not receive Him. They rejected Him. They did not receive Him. They were dead spiritually. And what John is saying here is that ultimately no one can receive Him unless they are first born of God. How can, a, how can a dead, a spiritually dead person receive Jesus? He can, he can do nothing. These are children born not of natural descent, nor of a human's decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Unless the Spirit of God reaches in and changes a heart, He will not, He cannot receive Jesus. Life. But, notice John says, to those who did receive Him. To those who did receive Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human will, but of God. Because Christ came into the world, He has called us to have life. He's caused us to be born children of God. No longer children of disobedience. No longer children of condemnation or judgment. But children of God. He becomes our Father. And we His sons and daughters. This is why Jesus came. He didn't just come to be a good example dying on the cross for us. He didn't just come to make us nice, to make us good, to make us get along with one another. He came to save us, to bring us to life. And the ultimate way that He does this is, ironically, by dying Himself. He brings life by dying. This is why Christ came, to live a perfect life on the earth, the life that you and I should have lived, to die a sacrificial death on the cross in order to bring life to those who deserve death. And then He rose again from the dead on the third day. But He also came to bring grace came to bring grace to a law-driven world. Look at verses 14 to 17. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father full of what? Full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, from the fullness of His grace we have received. Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you, know, do you notice how many allusions back to the Old Testament John is making? We, we've been in Exodus for a while now. Exodus 33 and 34, we saw allusions to Moses saying, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. So that I can know that you're with us. So that I can know that you will be with us and your people. Show me your glory. Here John is saying, we have seen His glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The glimpse that Moses, God of the glory of God, just 
the back parts of God made his face shine brilliantly. That was just a glimpse of what the apostles and all the people here saw when they saw the face of Jesus. This is the full revelation of who God is. This is what it means to see the glory of God. Full of grace and truth. That points back also to Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Where it says, God proclaims His own character, his, who He is. He proclaims the Lord, the Lord. Full of grace and mercy and faithfulness. John's pointing back to that to show Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of who God is. Full of grace and truth. Moses brought down law, but Jesus brought down grace. Now I say that we live in a law-driven world. Do you know what that means? That we live in a law-driven world? It means that we, the way we treat other people especially, is often driven by law. And it turns out we are the law givers. See, we want people to live in certain ways. We want people to live in certain ways that please us, that make us happy. So think about your children, your spouse, other loved ones. Is it not that often we get angry or upset because someone close to us is not living according to our law that we set down for them? Not only that, we are law-driven in our seeking after God's pleasure, in seeking after trying to earn His favor, seeking after to earn salvation. We come back again and again to thinking that we can somehow do enough, be good enough, to make God happy with us. You ask the average person on the street, what does it take for a person to get to heaven? And they'll say, well, they have, to, they have to be good. They have to do their best. They have to keep the Ten Commandments. They have to love others. They have to do. We are so drawn to living by the law and treating others with law. Think about how you treat others. Do you treat them according to grace or according to law? Do you, do you treat your spouse according to grace? And do you know what grace is? Grace is giving unmerited favor. Giving blessing when we deserve punishment. Giving love when we deserve condemnation or judgment. How do you treat people in your life? How do you treat your co-workers? Do you treat them according to the law or according to grace? You see, when we treat others according to the law, we put ourselves in the place of God and we forget what grace He has lavished upon us. You've heard of the term sedimentary rock before. So sedimentary rock is, uh, if you kind of dissect a mountain or a piece of land deep enough, you'll see layers of different types of sediment, different types of soil that go all the way down and uh, I, I saw some pictures of it. And it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of rock. And what John says here is that we have received of Jesus' fullness, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. If you were Christian, if you were to d- dissect your life and look at how God has related to you throughout your life, you would find layer upon layer of grace. Think about it. Think about how how many times you have sinned, even in the same ways. How many times have you lost it with your spouse or your children or with your co-worker? 
How many times have you lusted after another man or another woman? How many times have you had this greed within your heart where you desired after something and because of Christ and His sacrifice for us, we have received grace upon grace upon grace every single day. And then we turn to someone we love and we treat them according to law. And He gives us more grace. Scripture says of God, your mercies are new every morning. We are in need of grace. And this is exactly what Jesus has brought to us in His coming. He has brought grace to a law-driven world. Friends, if you are not a Christian, if you have not come to faith in Christ, this is who you need. This is the Jesus you need to believe in. The Almighty God, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, who became flesh and died in the place of sinners and rose again. The One who came to bring light, who came to bring life, who came to bring bring grace so that you could be saved. All of this is found in Christ. Is found in this Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the One we must believe in. But Christian, don't believe that once you've done that, that's all there is to it. You've come to Jesus, you've gotten light, you've gotten life, you've gotten grace, that you don't need any more of that. How many of you think you, you don't need any more grace than what you've already received? Don't we all? We need more grace. We need more light. We need more life. And this is found in Jesus. When you're gloomy and full of despair, when you're despressed, depressed and down, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Do you turn simply to other people around you? That's a good start. Are you, are you clinically depressed and you turn to medicine? You should do that. But ultimately, what's going to give you light is Jesus, the true light, which has come down and given light, shown His light in our hearts. Preach, preach the gospel to yourself again, like the psalmist does. Oh my soul, why are you downcast within me? Hope again in God. There's grace for you there. There's grace for you in Christ. There's light for you in Christ. There is life for you in Christ. But not only do we need to recognize our need, as, even as believers, for life and light and grace. Now, God has transformed us by making us His children to become light bearers. To, bring, to be life givers. To be people who treat people according to grace and not according to law. You look at John. Verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Have you gone forth as a light bearer into your sphere of influence? All around you, all around Gibsonville, Burlington, Greensboro, there is darkness. People are shrouded in darkness. They don't understand who God is. They don't understand who Christ is. They're living in the darkness and not in the light. Are you being a light bearer? 
to bring the light of the gospel to them? Are you being a, one who gives life, one who gives grace? Let us be children of God. Because that's exactly what we are in Christ. Consider as we close, who, who do you need to bring light to? You look into someone's life and all you see is darkness. They, they are gloomy. They are depressed. They don't have anything to live for. Who do you need to bring light to? Who do you need to give grace in your life? Now let's commit to doing that. Let's commit to being light bearers. Because Christ has shined His light in our hearts. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Your only Son, Jesus, into the world to do things for us that we could never do. To save us when we could never save ourselves. To give us grace when we are constantly trying to live by the law and be good enough to earn Your approval. Father, we thank You and we pray that you would remind us daily of our need to go to Jesus, to this Jesus, to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. For those, for those, Lord, who are here and they feel full of darkness and gloom, pray that you would shine your light in their hearts. For those who feel dead inside, we, I pray that you would Show them that Jesus is the life. Remind us of the grace that we have. That we might bring that grace to others around us. Now as we commit to do this, we pray that you would open up doors. Open up doors for us to share Jesus with others. To be the comforter that someone else needs. And to point them to the true life. The one who's the way, the truth, and the life so that others may have life in His name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.